Hello again, I'm Miriam Felton. Welcome to Yarn Stories Podcast. Today's first guest is Amanda Jarvis, owner and operator of Lorna's Laces and Mrs. Crosby. She began working for Lorna's Laces nearly 15 years ago, and this summer she bought both companies when Beth Casey decided to retire. I met Amanda at my first TNNA trade show, and we've become fast friends. You may recognize her as the red-haired model in Isolde Teague's Little Red in the City. Amanda lives in Chicago, where Lorna's Laces and Mrs. Crosby are based. Fair warning, this episode is going to run a little long, but if you're short on time, you can probably listen at one and a half speed and not miss anything. So I'm here with Amanda Jarvis, who lives in Chicago, where she dyes pretty string and has a wonderful dog named Pedro. Hey, Amanda. Hey, you forgot about my turtle. His name is Taco. shoot. And Taco. Taco's the best. Uh, Taco's a cute turtle. Not everybody gets to have a dinosaur that lives in their house. That's true. Um, I make sure I put plenty of dinosaurs in your house anytime I'm there, but they're not living. That is true. No. (laughs) So you've worked at Lorna's Laces and then subsequently Mrs. Crosby for almost 15 years, and now you own both companies. So what are some of your dreams for the future? Where do you want to take the companies? I am really currently a bit obsessed with our sense of community. Mm-hmm. The industry is such a such a wonderful place and so reliant on the community within it as we're in our local yarn stores and we're in our knitting groups and our guilds. And I feel like the thing that I really want to spend some time concentrating on is how Lorna's Laces and Mrs. Crosby fit into the community mm-hmm. uh, and the idea that we are a really small privately owned company run by just, uh, just a few people yeah. and how we fit in being part of that community. Yeah, the thing that's baffling is that like, you know, you guys have been in the industry for so long that people feel like you're one of the big guys, but you're smaller than Madeline Tosh, you know, in terms of like employees, you know? We're, we're smaller than a lot of yeah. people. I mean, you know, I've only I've only worked here. It's yeah. interesting as I've started doing some um some traveling and getting out with people more, which is one of the things that I wanted to concentrate on. Yeah. Uh, after I purchased the company, I really wanted to spend more time one-on-one in a face-to-face with the community. Mm-hmm. And the I get asked a lot of questions about how we compare to other companies. And the reality is, is this is the only yarn company I've ever worked for. That's true. I was not a knitter before I came to work here. So my frame of reference is all Lorna's Laces and Mrs. Crosby. That's fair. I have heard bits and pieces about other companies, and I have friends who work in the industry and know a bit about their companies. And near as I can tell, we are very small. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Crosby has one dyer. Her name is Grace. Lorna's Laces has two dyers currently, one named Gwen and a guy named Sultan, who we just hired. Um, Gosh, he came on full-time a month ago. Oh, that's good. Uh, He hasn't even learned to dye multis yet. He's so new. (laughs) And then both companies collectively have two people, Betty and Daniel, who do quality control and packaging and and order fulfillment stuff, Mm -hmm. and me, and that's it for both companies. Yeah, that's that's small. That's quite small. So it's it's just ironic that 
because of the time that you've been in the industry that it, people think of you guys as one of the big guys, but you're still like small indie dyer. Yeah, I like to think that we are. No, you definitely are. What other ways are you building the community? Um, I Like I said, I'm trying to get out to shops more. I've been doing dye classes and we're doing a lot of trunk shows, mm-hmm. which has been super fun and new That's for great. us. You know, yeah. we used to do a few a year and now I've got one. It feels like I've got one going on somewhere every weekend for That's the last wonderful. few months, which is really fun. Yeah. Well, and it makes such a big difference for the knitters to be able to feel, you know, the pieces and see the pieces and try them on. Yes. Yeah, it makes, I think it makes a huge difference. It does. Uh, so that's kind of the, the main thing that I think we're doing, you know, and then we're also trying to just be more vocal out in the world, mm-hmm. um, trying to be on top of getting out lots of newsletters and, and being accessible through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and all of our social media outlets and yeah. things yeah. like that. So your primary career interest growing up was fashion. How does yes. that translate to yarn and fiber for you? Um, truthfully, in my opinion, how is it not? Well, yeah, but I mean, like I specifically, mean, which aspects of it do you find you know super fulfilling to that childhood dream? Well, it's funny because I I was at a trade show a few, it's like ten years ago, and uh, I was talking to a very well known and prolific designer, and she was she said I hate fashion. What? And I said. <laughs> You're a fashion designer, honey. You can't hate fashion. Like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, you might be not mainstream fashion, but right. but it's still fashion. Well, but the things that we do set a precedent for the fashion industry and how things trickle down. Yeah. When you go to the Gap and you buy a sweater and a pair of jeans, that was set in motion somewhere way further back from that sweater and mm-hmm. jeans. Yeah. There were decision makers and people who put in the fact that these are the colors that were going to be on trend this year so that they made that sweater in that color. Mm -hmm. And I think that our industry doesn't – I don't think that it gets the credit or recognition both internally or externally for the influences that it has on the fashion industry at large and on how people dress in an everyday. Yeah. I think about like um, back in what was it 2005 when Annie Modisett did that circle shrug that was on the cover of Vogue. Yeah. And that whole circle sweater Crazy. mandala type yeah. thing started branching out into the yarn industry. Yeah. And then, and then uh, it showed six up in, months, in a fashion. year later, yeah. it was everywhere. Yep. The same thing happened for knit Tams. And I was out shopping the other day and saw um, ponytail hats. Ponytail hats made it to mainstream fashion? They, I, I was at Forever 21 and they had ponytail hats. Oh. Like, And I think that we, we don't recognize how these things really do trickle down into mainstream no, fashion you're right well and and there are some people like um melissa whirl who designs knitting patterns but also designs uh for for ready to wear companies she designs knits so like yeah. she's specifically directly influenced by both worlds there's there's definitely some some return of yes you know from from our industry to the ready to wear industry and i think that um i think that those are the ways that i view how my love of fashion Uh, growing up you know I grew up in a house with a subscription to Vogue Mm -hmm. and all of my childhood dreams of like things I wanted when I was a grown-up were all directly fashion related nice I wanted to have an Hermes scarf I wanted to have a pair of 
oxblood Gucci boots. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have silver jewelry from Tiffany. These were like my childhood dreams of things that I had seen. And I think that they directly influence the way that I go towards coming up with color palettes. Oh, that makes sense. And how I approach the conversations that I have with designers about things that might be cool for them to make mm-hmm. while I the designs are completely left to the hands of the professionals, not me. <laughs> when it comes to designs, I still every now and then I'm like, you know what might be cool if we did something like this or yeah. just share the ideas that I have with the people who know how to turn them into things. Yeah, that's fair. And they, you know, sometimes will take it and run with it. And sometimes it's just like, that is a neat idea. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that because of the slow nature of what we do, Mm-hmm. you know, in the knitting industry, that it makes, like, couture details really accessible and really interesting. Which oh, absolutely. I, I love. I love adding, like, couture details to my knitting and my sewing. I mean, if you think about things like the stuff that Azolda did when uh, with Little Red in the City mm-hmm. and the stuff that Amy Herzog does with Custom Fit, yeah. this is bespoke clothing. Yeah. This is high fashion. Yeah. Or can be. Yeah. You know, you if you walk into a store and you fall in love with a cardigan and it, but you love aqua and it doesn't come in aqua, you don't get the cardigan. Yeah. But if you look through Ravelry or page through Interweave and you see a cardigan that you love, you can make it in aqua. Mm-hmm. You can decide you want it to be oversized. You can decide you want it to be short sleeved. You can make these decisions about turning things into anything you want to turn them into. And yeah. I think that that is. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty special. Yeah. So Lorna's Laces has an exceptional range of base yarns that covers a lot of range. Uh, yes. Like lots. Yes. So do you have those milled specifically for you? And what are you looking for when you're choosing base yarns? Some of our yarns are specifically milled for us. Some of them are not. Mm-hmm. Um, our Shepherd line is, which is the thing we're the most known for at yeah. Lorna's Laces, is... Um, it, and our Helen's Lace, which are the two things that we are the most known for, those are milled for us. Yeah. They are only available to us. The majority of our other yarns are theoretically available to other people uh, through the mills that we work with. Mm-hmm. I So I have not had the opportunity to pick out a yarn yet, but I have been thinking about it a lot because I've been getting ideas for what I might want to do for next summer headed into the fall season. Yeah. And I think that I try to... I try to think of what holes exist in our line, mm-hmm. what what I feel like knitters would love to see our color range in. Because we do all of our colors, which there are now over 300 of them, because we, yeah. we never discontinue a color. Which is awesome. It's it's awesome and it's chaotic at the same time. I imagine, time. yeah, from, the, from the, the dying aspect. it's Well, and it's overwhelming for shops also. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But because when we we send out our color cards and they look and there's just like a sea of color (laughs) options, it's hard to to choose and pick. Like, do you want this blue or this blue or this blue or this blue? Yeah, that would be Um, Which if you want, if you know you want this blue, what do you want your accent color within this blue to Mm -hmm. be? Like there's there's so many choices and we add to them all the time. Um, We probably add a dozen new colors every year. I try to think of what's going to look great in those in those colors what what kind of fiber is somebody going to want to see in the sorts of colors that we do mm-hmm. uh, I like to think of what is going to make for really a really great finished product yeah you know, we're we're very much uh, the last several years very into accessories in the industry yeah. and so you have to think of what's going to make a good accessory yarn yeah which is a completely different thing than what's going to make a good sweater yarn yes 
we've done a couple of yarns over the years that are spectacular sweater yarns, but really just are not, they're not the thing you want to wrap around your neck mm-hmm. or, or put on your hands or on your feet. So yeah. I try to think of what somebody might want to do with it, what kind of hole we're missing. Yeah. And then uh, there's just a little bit of what we fall in love with. That's fair. <laughs> what we see and are just like, this is absolutely amazing. Uh, I bought some yarn recently for a sweater for myself that's another company's yarn that I got to tell you, it's definitely inspiring me for trying to find something that has the lusciousness and feel of that mm. particular yarn. Nice. To the end that I, there theoretically, I could call up that company and be like, so I want to dye your yarn. <laughs> Do you like special limited so edition nice. or something? Yeah. Yeah, like, can we, can we get together for, because we do things like that. We do, um, we are, in addition to being a dye house for our own yarns, we are a dye house for other people, and we do uh, custom dyeing for other companies, Mm -hmm. which is super fun and interesting, because it's neat to get to break away from doing things the way that we do them, to go down somebody else's route, Mm -hmm. and to see color through somebody else's eyes, and to see texture through somebody else's eyes. It's a lot of fun. So I think that that's kind of one of the things I'm thinking about now, is just what's going to be, what's missing? And I have some ideas, Mm -hmm. and we'll see how they all flush out. That's awesome. So let's talk for a second about the Shepherd line. Um, Yes. So Shepherd, all your like Shepherd Sport, Shepherd Worsted, Shepherd Bulky, they're all 100% superwash. And you're having them milled specifically for you. And then the sock has a 25% uh, nylon in there, right? It's got a 20% nylon. Yes. But they are machine washable and dryable. And something that I always tell people, I actually was just having this conversation online with somebody about another company's yarn, is the drying part is important. It is. (laughs) Especially if you're talking about sweaters. Yeah. Well, and so speaking for myself, um, I love Shepherd Sock. It's one of my very favorite yarns. Um, Thank you. And I have so many socks knit in Shepherd Sock because I don't... I can't, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to like line dry all my socks. We only wear hand knit socks and I am not washing, you know, and then hang drying all of my hand knit socks. That's not going to happen. So like, I'm just really bad at sorting my laundry out. And, like <laughs> I miss things and then they go in the dryer and right? it's like, now I ruined this thing. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah. So I, I routinely knit things out of shepherd sock just so that like, I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Because it is like yeah. absolutely machine dryable and they come out yes. great and they last forever. Like one of the first pairs of socks that I've made for my husband was a pair of shepherd sock in pewter back in the day when you had 50 gram skeins and, uh, yes. you know, and the pewter, uh, the like the, those grays are notoriously like complicated because they'll pull oh, like man. the purple more in one skein than they pull in the other, you know, stuff like that. But um, so I, I, worked real hard to get like you know two skeins that actually like matched matched when I was picking them out like perfectly matched because I'm real picky about color you know and so but like I found I found the pewter I made them for my husband and he still is wearing them they have never needed darning they've never like they machine wash and dry and they're one of his favorites and like they just it lasts it lasts wonderfully I have a, a lot, quite a few friends that are in the industry that the, the the first pair of socks that they made for themselves or made for somebody was done out of shepherd sock mm-hmm. and that they have had for yeah. 14 years and are still wearing. It's crazy. Yep. It's it's a super, super great yarn. <laughs> Thanks. Well I'll done. like it a bunch. Yeah. 
So um, I had nothing to do with it, but I like it a lot. Well, yeah, because that was one that came in before you were before you were working yes. there, right? Because the yes, company was originally was yeah, the company was originally um, started by Lorna Miser. Yes, and that's why it's Lorna's Laces. And then Beth Casey bought it. Yes. Uh, what like fifteen years ago? She so I was right Beth's there. first employee. Yeah. And I started on the day that she started. Yeah. So she bought it. Uh, it was it'll it was fourteen years ago. This past January is when she yeah. closed on it and opened in February. So fourteen and a half years. Yeah. So she had it for fourteen and a half years, and then sold it to me. And yeah, I'll awesome. have it for fourteen more <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, one of the things I really love about having having the superwash come in all the beautiful colors is that is that like super you know superwash wool is the answer for babies for people who aren't you know gonna like hand wash the things you make for them for gifting you know? in general. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, unless you're gifting to to a similarly afflicted knitter, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's. You know, there's, but there's no reason that you don't have to use wool unless somebody's actually truly allergic to it. Just get a good, su- solid superwash wool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, I've made my first, my very first knitting project was a uh, shepherd worsted blanket oh, wow. out of uh, carrot. It mm-hmm. was a baby blanket. It was the baby blanket with the reverse stitched initial from Erica Knight's Simple Knits for Cherished oh, Babies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I made it for my friends Wendy and Bill for their daughter Scout and uh, gave it to him before she was born. And when she got, a, and they kept it in her crib, it was her blanket every night. Mm-hmm. And when she got old enough to realize that she had possessions when she was like three <laughs> or four, yeah, it was her, um, it was her mine. It was Aww. her like number one, this is mine thing. And yeah. she, she used this blanket this whole time and it still looked exactly the same as it did. Oh, that's great. When I sent it. That's yeah. The, it's, the shepherd line is a little wacky. It kind of defies abilities of, of yarn, but it does some neat stuff. That's great. So uh, let's change gears a little. I know that you love Mexico and the beach. And... I do. Yeah. <laughs> so how have your travels influenced the yarns that you're producing? Um, I would say it probably has more of an influence because I travel mostly to a tropical climate. Uh, I think that it's mostly influenced the colors that I make. Mm-hmm. I formerly didn't like blue. Like yeah. If you had asked me 10 years ago uh, what my least favorite color was, I would have told you it was blue. But after spending, I, so it's really hard because it's a color everyone loves. Yeah. But after spending, you know, the better part of a decade um, going to Mexico as much as I can and absorbing as much as I can of, of the Caribbean, I can't look at blue and not see the Caribbean. That's fair. Yeah. I can't, it's certainly not if it's in these watery blues, these like... Yeah green tone blues i can't look at that and not see the caribbean which then makes me think of joyful things yeah um and spending uh i spend almost all the time that i spend in mexico in uh in quintana roo uh mm-hmm. which is primarily mayan uh it most of the people who are native to the area are uh, actually mayan of mayan descent oh, which cool. are very 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 tiny people yeah uh, a lot of them don't even speak spanish they speak mayan yeah. And the culture, the Mayan culture is so vibrant and mm. rich 
and like physically vibrant, like so full of color. And there's so yeah. much interest in it that I really think that it makes me think about color in a different way. And That's it um, definitely has some influence on some of the things that I think about doing uh, nice. collectively. Yeah. That's wonderful. And it just makes me more centered and chill and able to <laughs> deal with life in general, That's which fair. is a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, running a company is not the easiest thing in the world. You know, it's good. Yeah. And it, but it's, it's, it is vacations are important, man. And mm-hmm. not just because I'm running a company, but I've, you know, you know, I've been having this conversation with all of you for years of that. These things are important. You need to psychologically speaking, you need to step away. Yeah. You need to take time for yourself. You need to reset your being and and more and also importantly, especially for creative people, you yeah. need to see new things because yeah. otherwise you become so stagnant in your ideas that it doesn't that it's detrimental. Yeah, it's a recharging of your creative batteries. You have to you have to stop with work. And you need to do something completely different and it'll it'll feed in. Well, I mean, they've even done studies about how working in the same building at the same desk at the same table dramatically affects your ability to have creative thought. Yeah. And have nonlinear yep. thought because you just don't you get set into a cycle of being yeah. your brain goes in that little hamster wheel. Yeah. And it's it's really it is death to creativity. And at the end of the day, we are all artists and have to be creative and have to come up with new and interesting things. And there's, you got to make sure that that doesn't fall apart. Yeah. It's just as much important work as, you know, sitting down to do sweater math. Yeah. So um, you run both Lorna's Laces and Mrs. Crosby, uh, but what keeps the companies distinct? What do you specifically do or what are their different missions? to keep them separate? Well, one of the things that, one of the big reasons that we started Mrs. Crosby was, uh, like we've talked about, everything in Lorna's Laces comes in everything. We have a staple set of yarns. Uh, we never discontinue colors. We try our very best to not discontinue yarns. We're, yeah. I feel like Lorna's Laces is a, is a staple company, that it's a, mm-hmm. that it's a, a company that is, reliable and you you know you're able to find mrs crosby was kind of a, a more of a chance to play it kind yeah. it gave us the ability to to test things out to learn new dye techniques to try new yarns when we introduce a yarn with mrs crosby our intention is or with lorna's laces our intention is that it's going to that it's going to be there forever like that's our hope is to yeah. add add to our house yeah and when we do something with mrs crosby we have the ability to to work on a smaller scale to do things that are just fun and interesting and to experiment you know we yeah we can bring in a we brought in a yarn called uh ombre de la sera so we can bring in this wacky cashmere yarn in a really small quantity to play with new dye techniques and new colors and experiment with things Uh, whereas Mm -hmm. that's not the sort of thing that we do at lorna's laces yeah, because if you brought something in, you'd have to keep it in. Yeah, it's that's, it's a thing. Well, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. And yeah. she kind of gives us a little more chance to kind of go off the rails a little bit in a fun way. That's fun. That's really good. So Mrs. Crosby is almost your creative play. 
Yes. It's a whole business yeah. based around creative play. It is. It cuz we we have awesome. the ability in the way that we've set up this company that if we if we try something and and we don't like it or if we try something and um and everybody loves it or if we see something, you know, there are a lot of of really 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 small mills in the country. So maybe we hear yeah. from some mill that's in uh in southern Spain that they have 50 kilos of some really fantastic yarn we mm -hmm. we can we can buy and release something like that with Mrs. Crosby we never we could never do something like that with Lorna's laces that's great so but it so it allows you also to to support smaller producers yes. in the community uh, which is a lot a lot of fun that's wonderful we we can do yeah we can reach out to yeah small local mills in in small local farms to get things to try out which is really cool mm -hmm. and then outside of that the dye techniques are different which has been really fun and we can because we can do this experimenting we can experiment with new dye techniques and and try to make yeah. color uh, come to yarn in a different way which is not something that we do yeah. at Lorna's Laces it's just it's fun yeah. and then there's you know backside kind of boring things that set them apart like <laughs> The marketing is different. The image is different. Uh, for shops, and I think this is an important thing for consumers to know also, is that we at Lorna's Laces, we do everything uh, we dye to order, which is one of the aspects of how we function within being, being so small. Yeah, well, with having that many colorways. Having the many colors and being yeah. so small is that we do everything to order. So if you, if you want to get Shepherd Sock in Niagara, we might have it on the shelf. We probably won't. So it'll have to be special ordered for you and it will be dyed for yeah. you. Mrs. Crosby, because we have a smaller number of yarns and colors, she has seven yarns and they come in about 40 mm -hmm. colors. We keep them yeah. in stock so all the time. Immediately. So I always tell shops when they bring in our line, if they make their color cards, our color cards available to their mm -hmm. customers, that if they don't have what a shop, what a customer wants, they can say to to the stitcher like oh i don't have hat box and roasted chestnut so that you can make that bomb new bristol yeah. ivy sweater <laughs> but right <laughs> but it can be here yeah, next because week because it's already died it's just a matter of drop shipping it yeah it's already died it's just gotta just gotta head over um and i think that's something that really makes them very uh, different yeah. so but it does mean that there's going to be colors for mrs it hasn't happened yet but it means that there are going to be colors from mrs crosby's line that are yeah. going to be discontinued yeah well, I hope it's not Hollywood Cerise. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you that it wouldn't be. <laughs> I, there are some that it's like, no question, that one's not going away. Yeah. But then there are some that it's like, well, I guess we could let go with that. Yeah. And it's not always the ones that I like the most well, yeah. that get to stay. That's because you got to, you know, you got to go with what the business dictates, not what's in your heart because as we established earlier a few years ago i didn't like blue <laughs> yeah. so i don't get to pick <laughs> so something that's not really well known about your company is that you also dye fiber yes we um it's funny because we've we've always had fiber and every time we go to the trade show somebody will come through our booth and go you guys started dyeing fiber <laughs> And you're like, no, honey, it's been going all along. <laughs> and I said, yes, we do. We uh, so we've we talked about our shepherd line. I would never say that because that's rude. No, <laughs> I would say that because I'm rude. Well, fair enough. The uh, we talked about our shepherd line a bunch. So in addition to a sock, sport, worsted, and bulky 
Um, and then we also have another bulky, another super wash bulky, our cloud gate, which I don't know if oh, you've yeah. used yet, Yeah. but you'll die. Yeah, over. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a 90-10 super wash merino and nylon, and the twist is different, so mm-hmm. it's all like um, uh, like spongy and like dense and lush. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's like it's probably my second favorite yarn to knit with that I've ever knit with. Yeah, I tend to design in the lower range because I, you know my my aesthetic is primarily like functionality and you know using oh, your yeah. everyday wardrobe. But I st- I have a little sample of your Cloudgate, so I haven't designed with it, but I have felt it and it's amazing. I can't imagine your design aesthetic working terribly well for Cloudgate, but no. I can picture your personal aesthetic working well for Cloudgate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and most all of Mrs. Crosby's yarns are super wash also yeah which is interesting I think but well, um, it just makes them more versatile so the, it does that you know that you can still block them but you can you can gift them to anybody mm-hmm. safely like we were talking about yep so we in addition to our shepherd line of yarns we also have shepherd wool top yeah so we make a 100% super wash merino spinning fiber and it comes in a four ounce bundle and it's kind of dreamy yeah that'd be really cool to to do something with with hand spun in the same like it's the same colorway as the yarn like do a mixture of of hand spun and and mm-hmm. you know traditionally dyed but like because the hand spun if you did it with like color runs and a like slow barber pole or something do you know what I mean you'd get you'd get a completely yeah. different result but with the same colorways and it would be interesting to see them right next to each other in a piece we also do we have three other fibers too yeah what are the other fibers we have a super 100 percent super fine alpaca we have a 100 percent blue face luster oh i love blue face luster it's so cool because it's all crinkly it's silky like as fibers go like as wool goes like yeah it's so shiny and and it totally has that shine to it yeah i love blue face luster so i know nothing about spinning um (laughs) at all yeah. I'm, I'm not even gonna lie but I can <laughs> like you look at it and looking at the fiber it just it's the texture of it is so interesting and when you look at where the the animals that it came from and you can see why it has the texture mm-hmm. that it has is so cool yeah and then we also have a 50 50 merino angora oh okay nice which is like kitten yeah <laughs> so <laughs> It's so soft. Yeah. And we dye them in all, just like everything else, we dye them in all the colors. So we oh, do them cool. in like even the, even the splatter shot speckly stuff, which is really neat. Yeah. And we, uh, a dear friend was kind enough to, who has her own hand dye company, was kind enough to teach us how to make those like braid things. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that they're in pretty braids now. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, because it just keeps yeah. the fiber from getting a little worn in transit. Yes. Yes, it's definitely before that we had twisted them like we twist a regular skein of yarn, and it uh, they they held up just fine, but these are just so much easier for shops yeah. to to display, yeah. and and from my very limited understanding of spinning, a lot easier to work off of because you can just pull out, yeah. undo a knot, yep. and the rest of it is which is nice and neat. Yes, which makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So those those are that's kind of like the newest thing we've done is added in. We just added in these three fibers, okay. and I think that that's uh, I think it's pretty neat and uh, and and a good time. How could what? So why do I always end up with like really creative thoughts after we talk? Because <laughs> because we're super. <laughs> 
always, like every time, like we have a chat and I'm like, I come away with all these different plans and all sorts of like interesting, intriguing things to play with. And yeah. And for, you know, everybody listening, um, we're really good friends in real life. (laughs) (laughs) And talk all day, every day. (laughs) Yeah. We have a, we have a running, um, text thread with me and Amanda and Mercedes Tarasovich that would just like all day, every day ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. All day. Yep. It, it's been going on for years? about a year yeah. now. Yeah. More than a year. Well, this current one, yeah, like the, the nonstop one has been going on for a year. Yeah. The concept has been going on significantly longer <laughs> than that. But this oh, current, this current every day, all day has been for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So Amanda would like to give away some yarn. We're going to have two winners in this drawing. So enter one, you know, one entry, one main entry, and then uh, and then we'll draw two winners. One will win two skeins of Shepherd's Sock from Morna's Laces, and you can mix or match colors. If you want two skeins of the same color, you could probably get, you know, solidly sized garment out of that. Or you could make two different pairs of socks or mix them and make multiple pairs of striped socks. Um, but it gives you the opportunity to play with the color. And the other winner will win two skeins of Mrs. Crosby, and you can choose which base you want and which colors you want on each base. So you could do two of the same. You could do two mix and match and sample all the different, well, two of the different bases. So do you have any particular things that you would like to make people want? <laughs> What's your favorite color Ooh. of Mrs. Crosby? My favorite color of Mrs. Crosby is a uh, great tail grackle. Yes, it's wonderful. Uh, it's just this like everything you could possibly think of deep dark emerald greens. Mm-hmm. Um, it was named after my favorite bird, which is a great tail grackle, uh, which is the it's like Mexico's version of a pigeon in the part of Mexico that I go yeah, to. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere. everywhere. And they are so stunning. And when the light hits them, they're iridescent. They're so colorful. Yeah. And they look like black birds, but they're not black. They're usually like super dark turquoises and teals Ooh. or really, really dark greens. That's awesome. And it's just, they're spectacular. And they make a, a sound that sounds like a grackle. It's like this cackly noise <laughs> uh, that wonderful. like sounds like broken and <laughs> it like it's it's almost an automatopoeia yeah grackle. they the noise they make is a grackle noise that's cool um and my favorite base which is my my favorite yarn to knit with period <laughs> is satchel mm. yep it's my favorite yarn i've ever knit with uh i joke that it knits itself it's yeah. the first time i went to knit something with it i was just like this is just flying off the needles yeah uh, yeah that's that's kind of my favorite that's fair. Yeah. Uh, for Lorna's laces, it's hard. It really depends on what I'm making yeah. and who it's for, yeah. because there's just so many choices. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard. It depends on what it's going to be and who it's going to be for. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I really love waistcoat. Is probably oh. my waistcoat and cookies. Deep dark secret are probably my favorite solids. Yep. Um, waistcoat. I have uh, I Bow River. Bow River was knit in waistcoat. Yes. Yeah. I actually uh, had my hands on Bow River this morning. <laughs> Um, Wait, did I send it to you? Is it in your it was moved- possession? Mine? Yeah, I have oh, it. Okay. It's at my house. <laughs> yes. I was moving it around. My I was moving it around. It's actually in my bedroom at the moment. I was <laughs> moving it around 
the house. Well, I took it on a trunk show and that's right. Case in my bedroom. Yeah, I forgot that I had sent it to you. <laughs> my favorite multi at the moment is carbon, uh, which you know well. You made me a sweater out of it. We referred to it as not yes, black for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like dark. It reads as like a dark charcoal gray, but it's got it's got um carbon has all these like purple and like um raspberry elements that are but still dark. So it's it it reads almost as a neutral, but it's really not. It's made up of uh four different blacks. So there's yeah. a black black, which is our charcoal, which is not black, yeah. but is blackish. Yeah. Uh we have another black dye that I really love that makes this like um the sky at night color like this yeah. it's got this really purple color tone to it that I just absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's a black with some raspberry in it and a black with some teal in it. So it's these yep. four different shades of black that make a, a <laughs> black, which we called carbon yeah. because carbon is yeah. black. And yeah. then uh, it's from our science series. Cause we do our naming based on like a collective series. We choose a theme. Yeah. And yep. then, so our last series was all, uh, was science so we had carbon and argon nitrogen oxygen titanium uh curie yeah. solid uh, and my favorite splatter shot goes back and forth between cosmel and argon cosmel is is very inspired by uh the time i spend in the in in mexico it's caribbean sea blues and there's like hits of bright nice. pink and bright green in it and yellow and and argon is uh, uh-huh. The base to it is white, and then it's got heavy uh-huh. black on it, and then specks of uh, hot pink and uh, and a lime green through it. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it on your website now. Yeah. It's really pretty. That's my favorite. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I'm loving the speckles They're right fun. now. It's fun. It's just like it's magic when you knit them, you know, because like you don't know what what's gonna come up or like when you get um you know you're, you've got a favorite color in the speckle right and you wait for it you like you keep knitting and you wait for it to like show up on your needle and then you get to see how it like whether it's going to make a whole stitch all by itself or whether it's going to make a little run or you know <laughs> all those things I find it very intriguing well, and it's one of the things that makes them yeah. super cool they're uh they don't pool because the color doesn't go all the way through yeah. the repeat of like when we when we table dye, we lay the yarn flat, so the color goes all the way through both sides mm-hmm. of that section on the yarn, and it doesn't do that with yeah. the with the splatter shot technique. So you get just like these yep. hits and bits and pieces, and it's very interesting. Yeah, I like it a lot, and they're really fun to mix with yeah. solids to kind of have them as an accent, and and they're it's, they're pretty yep. cool. I like them; they're awesome. fun, and they're fun to dye. Yeah, I imagine, and they're super weird to dye because they don't like in the pot. They don't look how they're gonna look when they're done, and you you get a little scared that you've messed it up somehow and that's yeah it it sounds like a bad thing but it's actually really cool well it's it's intriguing it's, um, you get the excitement yeah, of wondering yes. how it's going to come out for sure yeah that's awesome so that's yeah it's neat cool well thanks for talking to me you're welcome bye friend bye friend <laughs> <laughs>
You should definitely take a look at Lorna's Laces yarns and all their colorways at lornaslaces.net and Mrs. Crosby can be found on the web at mrscrosbyplays.com. You should also sign up for the Mrs. Crosby newsletter while you're there. Mrs. Crosby writes to her fans in a very unique voice that just brings joy and happiness to my inbox. Next up, Deb Robson returns to talk to us about superwash wool and, oddly enough, the U.S. Army. Welcome to our fiber expert, Deb Robson. Deb is the author of Fleece and Fiber Source Book and the Field Guide to Fleece. She's also the former editor of Spinoff Magazine. Hey, Deb. Hi, Miriam. How are you? Good. Thanks. Lorna's Laces and Mrs. Crosby use a lot of merino. Um, Lorna's Laces, their signature line is the Shepherd line in various weights, and they have a lot of superwash merino in there. So how does merino, how is merino affected by the superwash process? Basically the same way as any wool is affected by superwash, although more merino is superwashed than any other breed for a lot of reasons. Yeah. One of them being there's more merino out there. Mm-hmm. Another being that there's a lot of demand for it and people want a soft wool. Yeah. And they want one that they can superwash. Yeah, makes sense. So, um you also find lately superwash blueface lester. Mhm. Um, but you know, Merino predominantly, I mean, you walk into a yarn store and, and there's, there is an infinite amount of choice in yarns. If you want superwash Merino, Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, okay, please give me something else. You know, it's great. Actually, I'm knitting with it right now because yeah. I'm making a baby sweater. Well, it certainly has its uses. It has its uses. Um, it's really, a, um, a good thing. Mm-hmm. In many ways. Okay. Well, and I'm lazy enough not to want to hand wash all of my hand knit socks since I basically only wear hand knit socks. So, like, Superwash Merino is my friend. Well, and Superwash <laughs> is not my friend in socks because I'm really hard on socks. Oh, I see. And if I make a Superwash Merino pair of socks, I'm going to have holes in them in a week. Yeah. So, basically, I get, I get, there are a number of sock wools that are not Superwash, but they're a mid-grade wool that doesn't felt. Yeah. Um, they don't even put the breed on them. Oh, that's that's the kind I knit my socks out of. Okay, but it but... just says superwash wool rather than superwash merino wool. Mm, no, it just it just says wool. It's not. Oh, super interesting. Wash. Curious. Yeah. Um, okay, so when... talk about anyway. the durability process. Like, what makes it less durable as a superwash? Okay, it's not less durable as a superwash. It's less durable because it's merino. Oh, I see. That makes sense. Okay. Okay, got it. Okay, merino is a soft wool. Yeah. That's its 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 huge plus. So it feels great. And for some people, it works on their feet. Me, no. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I use it elsewhere. Yeah. It is a next to the skin wool. There are multiple processes for making superwash. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one really kind of viable one right now, which involves a combination of removing the outer coating of the scales on the fiber. Every mm-hmm. fiber is covered with scales. Yeah. There's an outer coating that is um, made of um, basically a lipid. It's a fat. Okay. There's a chemical process to remove that piece of the wool. Okay. That doesn't remove the rest of it, the core. Right. And then coat it with a resin. Okay. So there are a number of ways this happens, but basically you've got a dual chemical process going on. Okay. It makes it very receptive to dye. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how it would affect durability. I don't, you know, obviously you've taken a piece of the wool structure off yeah but it's the piece that in part gives wool its water resistance okay 
Okay. Well, well and that makes it... sense that the that the dye would then take up better because the water resistance has been stripped away. Yeah. Um, wool has this weird thing where it is initially water resistant mm-hmm. because of that lipid quality. Yeah. And then it becomes water receiving so okay. that it can take into its internal structure like up to 30% of its weight. Yeah in water with before it feels wet so it's got this dual thing okay first yeah. it fends off the water then it takes it in yeah um that take in piece is not affected by okay. the superwash process got it they are working on other ways of creating washable wools and what you look for when you're looking at the research is shrink proofing okay. primarily that's the term yeah yeah um because that's the the main reason to have a superwash is so that it wouldn't felt Right. Oddly, if you do some experiments with knitting and washing swatches of superwash, mm-hmm. it is not totally unaffected. Yeah, I've, in, in I've done dimensions. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what, what happens for anybody who hasn't done that experiment themselves is that superwash tends to grow way more in, in a swatch than, you know, probably the same wool would if it weren't superwashed. Like it spreads. True. And or... It may grow in one direction and, and not contract the other. In yeah. the other, now that contraction is not a felting; it's not permanent. No, you can you can stretch it out again. Yeah, uh, superwash does not block as well as non-superwash. Mm-hmm. So if you want a nice crisp lace, for example, yeah. a non-superwash um, wool would be ideal. Yeah, you can still do it with superwash, yeah. but but set your standards a little lower <laughs> um, for for the blocking. Yeah. So they're working on a number of different ways to shrink proof or stabilize basically stabilize yeah. um wools partly because of the environmental impact of the currently predominant superwash process yeah because there would be chemicals runoff in the water yes with the with the lipids which can clog well up yes sewers and all sorts of stuff it's not the lipids that are the problem but the chemicals that are being used Got it, to, to strip them Got yeah it. so there are there's been a lot of work done on minimizing that impact mm-hmm. people have been been trying to you know reclaim everything they can from the process and 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 just minimize that impact mm-hmm. but they're also working on alternatives um there's a huge push from interestingly the u.s army mm-hmm. which has a mandate to only use u.s source materials oh okay um, and wool is extremely useful in military applications. Well, yeah, wool, you know, wool's been used traditionally as outerwear for centuries because it keeps you warm even when it's wet. And, you know, it can hold so much water but still feel dry. All those things. It's, it's superior. It's comfortable. It wears well. Interestingly, too, if people are wounded mm-hmm. and wool fibers end up inside their bodies... Yeah they're not toxic oh interesting isn't that interesting that's really really curious yeah they just they just degrade because they're standard protein fibers without any other any other um you know weird chemical structures right so if you've got synthetics in a wound you have to get them out yeah if you've got wool you don't is it the same with cotton will cotton just degrade and it's fine Um, I don't know. Oh, curious. I have not well, heard Well, yeah, you is. are a wool expert, so... That's... I am. You know, <laughs> I, I've, I've done a lot with cotton, but not the, to the same extent. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. 
curious. Because it's a cellulose fiber. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't think it would be as, as problematic. I, I'm just... I have yeah, off the top of your head. That's we're, cool. off, we're off there. Yeah. Yes, we're out of there. Um, but I do know that wool has many, many reasons to be good in that yeah. application. And the Army, um, or the Armed Forces, use a lot of textiles. Mm-hmm. So there's been an interesting thing that's occurred, which is that we finally have a superwash facility in the U.S. That's For great. a while, we didn't. Um, but because that entire chain needs to stay stateside, mm-hmm. we now have the capacity to superwash in North America. That's this really is a big cool. deal. Yeah, this that's amazing. Big... Because then you could, you know, if you were trying to have a completely U.S.-made fiber, you could superwash it. You can. Yeah. You can. Yeah. So whatever your feelings are about superwash, um, and I definitely go back and forth on it. Yeah. I prefer my wool 99% of the time to be not superwash. Yeah. I want to lower my personal ecological footprint. Uh, wool doesn't need washing so often that it's a problem for mm-hmm. me yeah. uh, to hand wash and, and lay things out um, to dry. And there are times when I head straight for the superwash. Yeah. Um, like the sweater I'm knitting right now. Makes sense. Um, it's, uh, it's actually going to a new mom who oh, would hand yeah. wash. No, she you would. Don't... She would. But I'm not going to put that on. Exactly. No. <laughs> so, so I have a quick question yeah. about. Uh, yeah. So adding nylon to the superwash is going to give it some durability. Is it going to yeah. do anything else with it? Um, that's its primary goal. Yeah. Is durability. Okay. Uh, it's possible that the nylon fibers if they are stronger than the wool may cut through the wool mm. which is sort of weird but but if it's a good blend that shouldn't be happening yeah well and um you know i've i've knit many many a sock and sometimes when i wear through a spot all that's left is the nylon fibers yeah which yeah. makes it much easier to darn <laughs> so yes like that's it, not necessarily yeah. a bad thing in the you know, if the, yeah. the, the nylon fibers are left behind as a, like a tracery that you could, you know, follow for darning. Yep. Uh, it's much easier to catch it when you've got, you know, nylon fibers still making the grid than <laughs> than when yes. it's started unraveling. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Make sure to enter the drawing to win either two skeins of Shepherd's Sock from Lorna's Laces or two skeins of your choice of Mrs. Crosby's yarns. Colorways are your choice as well, so you could really use this drawing as a way to plan some great projects. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it via social media or leave a five-star rating in iTunes. I'm still looking for sponsors, so email me about that if you have any leads. This podcast was produced in Salt Lake City, Utah, with production help from Sid Fallon. Music is by the ever-elusive Breakmaster Cylinder. I'll be back in two weeks for an interview with Hannah Thyssen about her new book, Slow Knitting. See you then.